2: How many of you on the island remember about there were two pilots from one of the airlines called Go Airline and they were just supposed to fly from Honolulu to the little tiny town of Hilo. In 15 minutes they passed Hilo because both pilots were asleep in the cockpit of that plane. This is a true story. How many remember reading that? Now how would you like to have been in that plane? And here these guys were, they fell asleep. They really fell asleep. And I'm not here to indict those guys. I know they fly a lot, they get tired. How many of you fall asleep at the wheel at your own uh, ministry or job or whatever? But I will tell you, you don't fall asleep when you're flying an airplane and you're 15 minutes past the airport. You want them to be alert. Well, just as much as we want our pilots to be alert, we want our doctors to be alert, we'd like our lovers to be alert to us, I want you to know that God says to us, I want you to be alert in a relationship with me. You want to build that relationship. You now have a new relationship with me. You need to communicate with me. And you need to be alert when you do it. Focused attention when we pray with him. And oh, how much that means to him. But also in the spirit of being persistent, as well as being alert, he wants us to have this attitude of gratitude So prayer is also being thankful. I like the phrase that says, be vigilant in it. Then it says, with thanksgiving. I know most of you know how important it is to be thankful, but I'd like to add another concept to the aspect of being thankful. When I ask myself, when am I least thankful? I'm least thankful when I'm not focusing on what others have done for me. If I don't think about what others have done for me, then why would I be thankful to them? Or I'm least thankful when I think I've accomplished or I'm doing what I need to do by myself and I really didn't need other people. I I did it, so who do I be thankful for? You know, I, I did all of this. So all of a sudden, we are least thankful when it's more about us and less about him. The more times we're thankful, the more we realize how dependent we are upon God. Now, let's put a spin on this. Today, we're going to be saying aloha to Ryan and a few of our other interns that work for Child Evangelism Fellowship. Most of us today will say thank you to them, especially you parents. You'll be sure to say thank you to, to Ryan and all of that, which is an appropriate thing to do. But a higher level of that is to say, Lord, I want to thank you because you graced us by giving us Ryan. You gave a man of God who came to this island. He trusted you to bring him here. He spent time with our kids. I want to thank you for all the good that my kids have gained from Ryan. Now, we'll say thank you to Ryan because he responded to God's leadership in his life. But ultimately, though, every good gift that we have, everything that's been done for us is all coming from one source, which is the Lord. So whether you have a job, be grateful for that. God orchestrated that for you. Whatever we have in this life, it's coming from an attitude of gratitude. Now, interesting, in this whole book, this book of Colossians, five times the Apostle Paul speaks about being grateful. And each time he does it, he shows gratefulness for five areas regarding the Lord in the life of the Colossians and what they mean to him. Just listen to these very quickly. Christ's followers are to be grateful for their salvation. He's thankful for their salvation as well as his own. He's also thankful for spiritual growth. So you can be thankful for the spiritual growth of your mate, of your own personal growth, the growth of your kid's spirituality. He was grateful for their closeness with Christ and the church. And maybe you could be grateful for your closeness to the Lord and closeness to your fellowship, your faith family here. It's a gratefulness for relationships with him and with others. The next time it was his gratefulness for the opportunity to serve others in Christ. That's unusual. Lord, I'm thankful that you've gifted me and given me an open door where I can minister to other people. He's thankful for that as we should be thankful for that. And then lastly, he's also thankful here because of God's promise to be able to answer prayers when he has a need in his life to be able to reach others with the clear gospel message. So it's an attitude of gratitude, of thankfulness. And maybe what you might want to do after this message is this afternoon, maybe you by yourself, or maybe you with your mate, you begin to write down all the wonderful things that you've been experiencing. And then as you do that, you want to say thank you for that. Now watch, take it up a notch. After you've done all the wonderful things that God has done, the next page, do this. Make a list of all the challenges that you have in your life right now. The problem with the car, the problem with finances, the problem with fitness, the problem with enemies in your life, whatever issues that you might have that are struggles in your world. All right, you write that down. Then what you do is you say, Lord, I want to thank you for that negative thing in my life because I'm going to use that negative to draw me closer to you. That means I need to be more persistent in prayer. I need to be more alert to you as you lead me through your word to be able to address those crises in my life. And I go to you now and I want to thank you for them because, here it is, it is good for me that I've been afflicted so that I could learn your statutes. So even this is nothing more than a stepping stone to another victory. These problems are not stumbling blocks to another defeat. So we can be grateful for all of these. Now that builds our relationship as we serve Him. So we're to do it persistently, we're to do it with alertness, and we're to do it with, a, with gratefulness. But there's one more, and this is the one that I believe he's leading us into even in the next week's message, and that is the prayer for other people. It's a little longer section. Look at it, if you will, as I read it to you. It's prayer for others. He says, meanwhile, praying also for us. So he's encouraging the Colossian people to pray for other people. So it could be for you and me. We're to pray for others. Then he says that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ. So I'm looking for an open door so I could talk about Christ. And he says, for which I'm also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Now, before I go and open up that, look at that phrase which says, which I'm also in chains. He says, I'm grateful for that, but I'm also praying that even in my chains, I can make this known. Now, how can I make sense out of that for you and me? All right. Whatever world you're in right now, some of you might say that my chain won't be that I'm in prison, But for you, your chain might be, I'm in a location or a job or a situation or relationship that I don't necessarily have the freedom to speak for Christ. I don't have the mobility to be able to get out and to do the things I'd really like to do. So what he's saying here is, he's saying that even in my chains, I'm being thankful for that, but even in my chains, Lord, open up a door that I can still speak the clear gospel message. So what you can do is not say, Lord, remove the chain so I then could speak. What you can say is, Lord, within my chain, open up the door so I can speak even with my chain, whatever type of conflict that you might have in your life. I learned this at a seminar a long time ago and has opened up new worlds for me. And it's this phrase, a resistant spirit destroys a creative spirit. If I resist something, I don't then have the necessary creativity then to make my way through it. But if I now reduce my resistant spirit and I now say, all right, Lord, even in this midst of challenges that I have, I don't deny it, not in a state of denial. I really believe it. But now, Lord, help me to be able to rise above this thing. It is absolutely amazing how God will give you the ability through your personality. He'll open up supernatural doors for you to be able to accomplish his will in your life. And that's the joy of this passage. Well, now, since he is talking about praying for others, how does he really want us to do that? Well, let's look at it here. These are four areas about praying for others. Now, two of these four areas are going to be found in this passage. There are another two areas that are not found in this passage. What I chose to do is I chose to do a study on prayer and look at all the passages that dealt with prayer in the arena of evangelism. So watch. Prayer is building a relationship with Him, communicating with Him. We already learned that. We learn that often our prayers are to be about other people. and We can pray about those who know Christ, those who don't know Christ. In this context now, he's talking about, here's how you pray for those who don't know the Lord. So as I build a relationship, my new relationship with him is while I'm learning about him, I'm learning that God has a heart that wants to reach other people. So now, Lord, how do I more effectively pray so other people can get to have a new relationship with you like I have a new relationship with you? And there are four throughout scripture. Two are here, two are other places. Let's look at them. In this progressive order, first of all, pray for others by name. Now, when we talk about pray for others by name, I like to be specific. Now, Scripture doesn't say pray for them by their name. You might not know their name, but you do pray for them. Look at the verse there in 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. It says, I exhort, first of all, that prayers be made for all men. Now, not just male, it would be all people. And then it says, and this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So what you want to do now is you're saying, I want to build a relationship with others. The Lord cares about others knowing him. I care about that which the Lord cares about. I have that new relationship, so I'm going to pray for other people. So what I'm doing here is I'm giving you four areas in which you could pray for other people. And let's do this together, shall we? The first is friend. Would you write down the name of a friend that you know that doesn't know Christ as Savior? Put his name in there. In my blank, I wrote a man's name. His name is Bernie. He's a guy that I usually paddle with on Fridays at, at the beach. And so we take tourists out and others. And Bernie always comes over and he wants to talk story about the Lord. And I love talking to Bernie. Pray that Bernie comes to know Christ as Savior. He's come to church on our night of the lights a couple of times. The second is a relative. Put your relative's name down there. Maybe it's a mom or a dad, a grandma or grandpa, auntie or uncle. It could be someone else, an in law, or maybe in some cases an outlaw. All right, so put down the relative's name there. Mine would be Carolyn. That would be my brother's wife. All right, so if I had an associate that I work with, I would put their name down there. Young people, I put classmates. Some of you are going to be going into school, and my, you are going to have an absolute brand new do over when you go to school because you'll have. Some of them same friends, but your classes will be scrambled up. You've grown over the summer. You've got great opportunities. So begin to put down a classmate or an associate's name there, those of you that have a job. All right, then put down a neighbor. You know, we moved into Kuleo area, and so I have a neighbor that's next to us. His name is Paul. I have a brand-new neighbor across the street, and really, really, his name is Wilson. Okay. And so I have Wilson. Now he doesn't hide behind a fence or anything, but he is Wilson. And so I'm praying for Wilson. Dear man, every time I'm out in the yard, he comes out. Every time I walk out to the, my car, he's on his porch looking at us. So I know that we have a very good watchman. All right. His name is Wilson. How many of you wrote down at least one name in any one of those categories? Would you raise your hand? Alright, now what you do as you build your relationship with the Lord because He loves the world and these people are part of the world, you're drawing closer to Him by praying for other people, particularly their salvation. Alright, secondly, pray for an opportunity to share. You'll be amazed at how many times that you really and consistently, persistently and with alertness pray for these unsaved people that God will throw open a door. You don't have to barge a door down. You don't have to make it happen. God will open up very unique doors. Pray for an opportunity to share an open door. Now, that's coming from this very passage. It says, pray that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ. Now, the problem sometimes is not that that he doesn't open a door, part of the problem is we don't ask him to open the door. Or when he opens a door, we are not alert to that. But I find that those of us who say, Lord, will you open a door? There is an uncanny, invisible set of antennas, like a radar set, that begins to help us to see, ooh, that is an open door. That has given us an open door. So I look for Wilson across the street. I want to have a healthy relationship with him. But I don't want to just be a good neighbor. How can I be a good neighbor, but I never tell him about Christ? So I'm looking for a unique way that I could bridge into the gospel with him. Now some, it might come because he'll come to me with a critical need that I could speak for Christ. Or I might have to create an event. Maybe have a block party. Or maybe have a Christmas time over at our house. And when he sits there, I can give him a gift and then talk about gifts. And the greatest gift is the gift of God eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I can create an event. But I know this. That if I love the Lord with all of my heart, then I will love my neighbor as myself. I will pray for him and I will ask God to supernaturally open a door. But I've got to be ready to to, to walk through that door. Now, once I pray for them and God opens the door, what do you think probably is the next greatest need that I'm going to have to ask God for? It's when that door is open and I'm supposed to speak, if it's me, I'm going to need boldness in my life. How many of you, the door's thrown wide open and all of a sudden, what do I say now? You know kind of what to say, but how do I get it out? We need boldness. Now, some of you are the personality style that is very easy. You know, there's no stranger around you. There's no topic you're going to stay away from. You'll talk about anything, and then there's others of you that are so sweet and shy and you almost wish nobody would even talk to you. you just kind of drive your, open the car, the, the garage door, get in there, close it behind you and hope nobody sees you. You hide behind your email or something. Well, I want you to know that there is that communication and found in 1 Thessalonians. Look at this. This is what you pray for. You pray for boldness. It talks about speaking the gospel. Then in Ephesians chapter 6, it says this, Praying always with all prayer. And then Paul says, pray for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, and that I may make it and speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now, while you may ask God for health when you need health, and where you may ask God for finances when you have a financial situation, and some of you are asking for God to improve relationships I want you to know as much as you want to go to him with those issues that are good, I'm not marginalizing that. I also want you to know that you can take your your timidity to the Lord. You can say, Lord, I'm wired. I'm scared. I don't know how to say it. I don't know what to say. I don't know if I'm going to say the right thing. What happens if they ask me a question I don't know the answer to? I don't know what to say, Lord. I want you to take that personality that you have, that lack of confidence, and just say, Lord, you made me this way, but at the same time, I need boldness. And so would you pray for me? I need boldness. Now, here's what's so unique about it. The Apostle Paul, in my opinion, other than the Lord, was probably the most courageous Christian that ever lived. In fact, he went into a city, he preached the gospel, they beat him up so badly, they threw him outside the city on a dump, and they put him on that dump because that's where they put dead bodies that don't have a place to be buried or any family to pick him up. And so they actually thought he was dead. What happened on that that dump over there, he revived. Now we're not going to get into the revival, but he did. He kind of woke up, came back all bloody and battered. Now, if it was me, I'd get the heck out of there. But that's not what he did. What did he do? He went back into the city again. Why did he go back in the city to preach again? Brain damage. No, he didn't have brain damage from being beaten up. He went back into the city again because he was asking others to give him boldness. So while you pray for yourself, first of all, that that person would come to know the Lord, that God would open up a door, you say, Lord, give me boldness. But the passage in Ephesians And the passage in Colossians wasn't so much Paul asking himself for boldness, although I believe he did, that's my opinion. I can concretely say he knew he wasn't bold enough, so he constantly in his newsletters would say, pray for me that I would be bold. So if that's the case, then find a study buddy, a prayer partner, someone who will be praying for you that you will be bold as you're praying that a door would be open as you're praying for those who don't know the Lord as their Savior. Those of us who have a new relationship with Christ, we want to tell people about the Lord. And now once we do that, how do we do it? We ask God to have that person be ready, open the door, and then give us boldness. But now, what do you think is the next thing that we need from the Lord once we have the boldness? Now we're ready to go. We've got what we need to say to that person. Now we need to have what is known as clarity. Look at the passage, same passage, clauses. says, Pray for me that I also may make it manifest, or clear, that's what it says, as I ought to speak, that I will make it clear as I speak. Here's what happens sometimes with some people. Does this happen to you? you all of a sudden, you realize now the door is thrown open. That person wants to talk about spiritual things, especially the gospel. You've got the boldness, but as you're doing it, you're not sure if you're coming across accurately. And so what you want to do now is not merely rely upon your own strength, your own wisdom, your own ability to communicate God's most precious truth to that person, which is the gospel. What you do then is you then say, Lord, right then, quietly, Lord, help me to make it clear to that other person. Now watch what I'm about to say. It's not that you have to take God's muddied message and make it clear to the person. What you have to pray is to say, Lord, let me take your clear message and not personally muddy it up when I give it to them. And so what you're doing now is saying, all right, Lord, I want to make sure that that person knows that they're a sinner, but that you love sinners. I want that person, Lord, help me now that they will know that no good deed they do will go to heaven and that because they sin." that they're going to spend eternity in a place called hell. Lord, help them to know that going to heaven is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. Oh, God, help me to say it with tenderness and truth and compassion, but also courage. Help me to be consistent. Help me to be clear when I say this. Help me to be concise when I say this. Oh, God. Now, let me tell you, God is up in heaven, and he hears your heart because it's a heart of dependence first. Secondly, you went to him, not all these other people. You asked him to give you clarity. He's partnering with you because he says, Lo, I'll be with you to the end of the age. He lives inside of you. You've had enough teaching already, so you've got the word implanted in there. You've got everything going for you. All you did was flip the switch on. You went and now that clarity will flow. It's going to flow from a heart that's now bold. Why? Because you prayed for that. It's going to flow a bold heart from a door that's been opened because you prayed for that. It's going to happen with those people that you prayed for. And so today's message is going to unleash you as little miniature Christian missionaries in a world of people that you know needs to hear the gospel. And it's coming, watch this, not from someone who's going to do it out of duty, because you've got to do it. You're doing it because of your great love for the Lord. You know I love Carol. But I'll tell you, my family knew I loved Carol and that we were in love. I mean, after about two or three years... I want you to know my family loves Carol. She she they could tell there was something special about me. I would write Carol love notes, you know, two poopsy from Tootsie, you know, those kind of things, you know. That was before email kids. I remember I got it if I got in trouble with my mom and dad with Carol, it was probably one thing in those days, is that I spent too much time on the telephone talking to her. Get off the phone. Why? Because our family phone was my dad's business phone. And so I thought when dad got off business at five, that's when I can call Carol for four or five hours. I don't need to eat dinner. I just want to talk to Carol. And so I would be on the phone all the time. There was a countenance change. Now that works in this world because of, I don't know, maybe puppy love is real to the puppy, I know, but it's puppy love. But I want to make sure that you don't draw the analogy that your love for God is as great as your love for your mate or for your mom or dad or for whatever because you can have great love like that. That's called filial love. That's when things are really cooking. That's when there's chemistry going. That, that's when there's no walls of, of sin or, uh, or a disrespect to one another. You've got great trust going on. You know, you're really clicking over here. The rhythm's going well. You've got the cycle happening. That's pretty easy to do that. And some of you are experiencing that. But I'm talking about a love that you and the Lord have because He is Supernatural. And the love that you have for Him is reciprocal because His supernatural love for you is inside of you and now you can love Him the same way unconditionally right back again. It's a unique love. Now watch this. That's why when you have a new relationship with the Lord, you now can have a better relationship with other human beings. It it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you'll be clicking in the same rhythm with one another because you could be hot for God and be all that you can be and all hell could break, break loose in that relationship. But it does mean that no matter what that relationship does, you don't go down the tubes because of it. Because you're intimately connected to Him. It is all about Him. So now, even in all of this, it's drawing you closer to the Lord and probably and possibly closer to that other person, especially if they know Christ, things can happen. There have been times when my, I've had a bad hair day, a bad hair week. And I know that Carol and I were not on the same page. And sometimes I would growl at Carol. Carol. But I have to tell you, it was her strength, her love for the Lord at that moment that brought me to a conviction in my life, her stability in her walk with God that brought me repentance, a change of mind that brought me back to the Lord. Now watch. There have been times in Carol's life for a split second in the last 39 years, I can't even remember when, when she growled back at me. And maybe there was a little bit of stability that was here. But it was because both of us were filled with the fullness of God both of us had that when we trusted Christ. Both of us made a commitment that we would put Christ at the center of our relationship. We had a new relationship with one another. And because of what Christ could redo and renew in us through confession, moment by moment in our relationship to Him, we could make it work. So, folks, I want to leave you here today with hope. Not with a feeling of, I failed, I've blown it. There's great hope. It begins with Christ. Be devoted to prayer. Pray about anything. Today's context, though, is pray with perseverance, pray with alertness, pray with gratefulness, but also pray for others. And when you pray for others, you pray that they too would have a relationship with the Lord. And do that by praying for them, perhaps by name. Then you pray for them that God would open a door for you to speak. Pray that God would give you the boldness so you'll speak the full gospel. And then when you do it, you'll do it with clarity. And as you do that, remember, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm telling you, God wanted you to hear this message today. There are people that are in your world right now that are waiting for the gospel that you believe and you know. Let's pray, shall we? We're going to give us all an opportunity to talk to the Lord. Now, you can do that even while I'm talking. We know that. But we're going to have a moment of silence. But when you do, maybe for some of you, it's your time to communicate back to the Lord. And what you'll say to Him based on today's message is, Lord... I want to thank you that you love me the way I am and that you went to the cross to pay for my sin and that by placing my faith alone in you, I can have my sins forgiven. And that going to heaven is not by any good deed I do myself because it's by grace I've been saved through faith. And it's not of myself, it's not of work, so I can't brag about it when I get to heaven. So Lord, I'm coming to you. Now, my friend, God says if you trust in him by that simple faith alone in Christ, He says, I'll forgive you. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say unto you, he that believes on me right now has everlasting life. Not believe that he was a historical figure. It means totally rely upon him as the one who went to the cross. If you wanted to have your first so-called prayer, I don't even know if I like to call it a prayer, your first communication with the Lord in a very real new way, then place your faith right now in him, telling him, Thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross. Thank you for forgiving my sin. Thank you that I have a home in heaven and a new relationship with you. If you're doing that, I'd like to pray for you, and maybe today is the day you're going to do that. Quietness of this moment is trusting Christ as your Savior. And so to do that silently, today is the day you're saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm placing my faith in you. I'm trusting you.